0: You're listening to The Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse. Reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. I'm super excited to be here today. We're going to continue on in our sermon series. This is week number nine in someone else's uh, shoes. And I hope that my hope for this sermon series as, as we go through this was not only just to deepen your knowledge about different characters in the Bible and people that you're meeting in the text... Um, but also that occasionally you're going to find a piece of that person's story in there that you needed. And God has been very gracious to us as he has given us a ton of stories in his text about people and redemption and they fail and then they succeed again and they fail and they succeed again. Nothing I can relate to. Sarcasm This is my uh, Josh Gray school of sarcasm, as we like to call it. Um, but, You know, you think about the text and he just is pouring out his heart into the text just over and over and over again to show you that you matter to him. Look at this person mattered. Rahab mattered. Ruth mattered. Jonathan, uh, Deborah, Tamar, James, Benaiah, all of these folks, Samson, they all mattered to God. And you matter to God today. Today we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to find out a little bit more about Philip the Apostle. Now, whenever they tell you a name and then a descriptive to it, it's because there's a chance that you could be confused. Remember the James where, like, there's five Jameses, which James is this, and where do they go? There's Philip the Apostle. And so it's not overly, there's king like Philip the Tetrarch or something, but the one main person they would get confused with, they call him Philip the Evangelist. Now, here's how we know that they're not the same people. Uh, in your text in Acts, you'll see that the, uh, the apostles were having trouble making sure that the widows uh, from the Hellenistic Jews and in the book of Acts were getting taken care of. So they did this thing, and they called seven men, or they called these men. Stephen is one of them. Many people know about Stephen and his stoning. And they called these men to help distribute the food and do all these things so the apostles could go on and do their work. And one of those people that they called, the guy's name was Philip. So they called a guy named Philip, but Philip was one of the apostles doing the work. And that Philip is the one that we talk about when you hear about uh, the Ethiopian eunuch that got baptized in Acts, I think we're in Acts 8 there. And so that's the Philip there. They call him Philip the Evangelist. We're not talking about him today. We're talking about Philip the Apostle. The one that was with Jesus, that was spent time with Jesus, was, was at, out of all of the, the, the miracles and the things that we think about with Jesus. That's who we're talking about today. Philip the Apostle. Um, the idea that I want you to think about today, the phrase that I want rolling around in your head today is come and see. Come and see. And you'll see that as we uh, move along in the text, this idea about coming and seeing. And it's really important all the time, but specifically this time of year where you have Easter that comes up and people come to church on Easter and Christmas that aren't regular churchgoers. Uh, Because their mom makes them, I don't know. Uh, But every year we have to add another service, which is cool. And people will come. And one of the most common ways that people come is because they're actually invited. And what we would hope on that day when they come and see is they get to meet you and they get to make a connection. And hopefully that connection leads them to a better relationship with Jesus where they're not just Christmas and Easter church attenders, Jesus followers. They're following Jesus every day of their life. They're submitting their will to Jesus. So I want to take you on a journey uh, first, I had the unique opportunity to go to Turkey on a 10-day biblical study tour, uh, this last September. I think it was September. Yeah, September. And I went with Brad Gray, one of our, uh, guys you'll see quoted a lot or, uh, Walk in the Text is his website. And, um, I get to go on my 2020 trip to Israel with him, uh, in 2022 because of the COVID stuff. And so I get to go with that, uh, coming up this May. But, um, so we I went on this, this trip to Turkey. And it is absolutely stunning. It is amazing. When you think about the Bible and you think about how it started to explode and what happened after Jesus' death, you've know, you got to think about Asia Minor, which would be common-day Turkey, Greece, Rome, that kind of area. You kind of have to go through that area to get to Israel. And the apostles were sent out. And you hear about Paul being in Ephesus, which is in Turkey. You hear about all these apostles. They were sent out to spread the good news of what happened in Israel. And this is where faith and action come together. If you ever get a chance, I think Brad's trip still has some openings in August. you get a chance to go to Turkey, like go to Turkey instead of going to Hawaii. Spend your five grand there. It will rock your world. It is really cool, and you're diving in deep. We went to all of the seven churches in the uh, book of Revelation, the seven churches. We kind of did them backwards, and we went to all the sites, and then we got to go to other sites, and it just puts a whole bunch of things together because this is the action of what was really happening as the kingdom of God was exploding all over the world. And so I want to kind of walk you through uh, this experience I had, probably one of the most powerful experiences that I had in Turkey when I was there. Um, And so... Uh, one of the things with, with why I would even talk about this with Philip is because this is kind of where I met Philip the Apostle. And so uh, as the story goes, and, and even as I was on the plane and they are like, well, you're going, I was flying on Turkish airline and you only have like 11 or 12 hours to hang out on the plane <laughs> from Chicago. And so I was talking to, to the guy who was coming around, I don't know what they call him now, stewardess, steward, stu- guy, dude, coming around and doing the things and he's like, well, where are you going? And there's a little bit of a language barrier and I pull out my itinerary and he saw Pamukale and he was like, "Ooh, that's the one!" Like they, he circled that. Out of all the different things that we could see, he was like, "That's going to be so awesome! You're going to love that." And I was like, "Okay, cool, Pamukkale." And so Pamukkale is near the uh, the site called Hierapolis, which was a, a town founded in about 190 BC before Christ. And it's a really cool place. They actually, in this area, they call it the the this Pamukkale is near They call it the Cotton Candy Castle. It's one of the uh, world heritage sites of, for the world, and so let me show you a little picture of what it looked like. This is in the uh, this is like these taverns, like kind of these pools these are like mineral pools. This would be like their Yellowstone. It is super cool, and it's totally out of place. It's like all of a sudden, boom, bright white and hot mineral pools like this place people have gone to for a long time, and so uh, uh, this is in Turkey. Next picture is, is a great photo of me. Uh, overseeing the same thing. But you can see the town of Pumukulay down there. You can actually see a little resort at the bottom of this. And this is like, depending on the sun and the day, this is like brilliant, bright white. If you look up pictures of this, you're going to be like, I want to go there. I understand why that guy was so excited that you were going there, Josh. But I didn't go there to see this. But I didn't know that. And so as you think about this town of Heropolis, we have the map photo up here. There should be a map one, maybe. Yeah. Um, so this is Heropolis. So all that white stuff down here, where it says B down there, that's what you just saw there and all these pools. And that's like the cool spot. And there's totally touristy. They used to have hotels around that and they pulled those out of there. Um, and so it's just, it's just really cool spot. And then this whole area here is the, the town of Heropolis uh, as they thought it was in the third, uh, third century AD. And as it was being built and all those things, it's above this hot spot, this world heritage site. And so as you think about this town, we actually entered, if I remember right, we entered over on this side of it where number one is, because we never do anything the right way with Brad. We always go the long way somehow. And the site we'll eventually talk about is number 16 at the top, which is really conveniently located up on top of the hill. Um, And I said, Adam, it was a really hard hike. He's like, no, we were just fat and out of shape. I was like, okay, all right, you're right. And so everybody likes to go to this cool spot and like number 13 is really awesome because it's close to this and you could see all these pools and, you know, uh, but it'd be like somebody taking you to Yellowstone and walking you like right past Yellowstone. They're like, let me show you something really cool and just cruising on past this. And so Heropolis is, is this city that we uh, find out that uh, Philip the Apostle was ministering in. And it's like my Roman and Greek guys, when you saw this place, you're like, yeah. and like. Obviously, when the flight attendant saw this place, he was like, yeah, this is so cool because your eyes just light up. But that's not even the cool part about it. There's columns that you can go in the hot pool and there's Roman columns under this water and you can be in this area and you're like, oh, I'm swimming with the Roman columns that are down there. That's not the cool part about it. So as we continue on our journey, next, next photo... We see these. You see these big, beautiful, well-preserved theaters. And the bigger the place is, sometimes it might have one or two things. And there's these statues that would have been back there. And these things are giant, as you can see. I mean, this is what you're coming into a site, and you're trying to reimagine what it looked like in its heyday. Um, but they can find these things, and they excavate them. I mean, let me just tell you about archaeologists. Archeolog- archaeologists. This, there's stuff that's just passed on from generation to generation. One of the things we're going to talk about today, the journey started in 1957 to find out what I get to tell you about today that they didn't even figure out until 2011 that we're going to talk about today. And so, next photo. So we're walking along this trail and these things here are called sarcophaguses. It's this a ne- necropolis and it's two kilometers long. So it's like... A, Uh, one point, whatever that is in miles, uh, one and a half miles, let's say you're just walking and there's, there's these tombs, tomb after tomb after tomb after tomb after tomb, and some of them have inscriptions on them. And like, if you were, you were very, uh, well off, you wanted to be, placed near the gate of this entrance, it had this massive gate, but you, these are all outside of, the, kind of this, this area, and you're walking, and we did a lesson there, and you're reading about this person's life based on what you could tell on the tomb, and it's tomb after tomb after tomb, and you keep walking, and you keep walking, and you keep walking, next little. And you get to this point at number 16 at the top. And Brad said, do not look at any of the signs, and you tell me what is it. What is it? And so we're walking around, not looking at the signs allegedly. um, And and you're walking around and you're seeing different symbols carved in there. And there's like eight of these kind of beat up columns there. And there's this square place right here. And you're trying to figure it out. And most, a lot of these folks are pretty smart uh, and trying to figure this thing out and like really having a difficult time. And he's like, What is it? What is it? And eventually when we guessed and didn't get it right and guessed and didn't get it right, he said, this is a martyrium. And and let me tell you what a martyrium is. A martyrium is a building or chamber used by early Christians as a burial place. It's a place where relics and martyrs are preserved. And so this particular martyrium would have had a dome over the top of it. It's giant. Like when you get up there, it's at a really high point and a really hard place to probably build and drag stuff up to. And it's giant. It's giant. And you're walking around and you're like, is it a church? No, it's not a church. It's a... And, and you're walking around and we find out that this thing was built in the fourth, fifth century uh, AD, four or 500 years after Jesus' death, about 400 years after Philip's death. And we get, we start to hear this story about Philip the apostle and what happened in Heropolis. And so, As I remember it, as the story goes, and this is uh, verified in different texts, and there's different, you know, this is not in the Bible how uh, this apostle died, but this is what they think happened, and there's good evidence for it. And so this is a martyrium for Philip the apostle. Built four or 500 years after he died. So what would cause somebody to build something that large and that difficult of a place on top of all the cool stuff, what happened? And so here's how the story goes. Philip was ministering in this town. They had all their Roman gods and the pro-council, the governor the kind of, of, the, of the town and all those things. They had all these things going on there and there's lots of not Jesus stuff going on there. And he's there ministering and he has a couple of his daughters with him and uh, Bartholomew is with him. And he's there ministering and the pro-council's wife is sick. And so he goes and prays for her and lays hands and tries to heal her and she gets healed. And she got healed not in the name of their gods. What do you think Philip talked to her about? Jesus Christ. And so she heals uh, he heals uh, her in the name of Jesus and guess what she decides to become? A Christian and a Christ follower. And you know what? That kind of messes with the pro-council's mojo. And so maybe his wife just wouldn't stop talking about Jesus over and over and over again and he got irritated or whatever. Uh, And so he finds out, who talked to you about this Jesus? Who healed you? Maybe he wanted her dead, I don't know. Philip the Apostle did. Oh, great, let's meet him. So... Uh, they get a hold of Philip, and they drag him throughout that city behind some horses. And they take him up to this place, probably where the martyrium is, and they put rings through his Achilles. And they hang him upside down on a cross, he and Bartholomew. And so... You know what Philip takes this opportunity to do since he's got an audience that wants to come and see his hanging and his death? He preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Upside down, with rings through his ankles, with his feet nailed to a cross, he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. And somehow the story is they have Bartholomew taken off there, and then they bring his two daughters in front of him. And they don't treat them very well. To the point where he loses his two daughters. In front of his eyes. And you know what he does? He preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is it? What was so important to come and see. At the top of this mountain. That they would have. They they would have these pilgrimage pathways up there. So. This is Philip the apostle. They couldn't find his tomb. The archaeological archaeologists couldn't find his tomb. They assumed it was somewhere in this martyrium and they start digging and trying to find it, but they can't find it. And so they started this journey in 1957. Do we know where his tomb is? But we can't find it. It should be in this giant building. And they continue to look and look and look and look and that guy ends up kind of fading away and the next guy comes on the scene and they're chasing it and chasing it and chasing it and they find an entire church that a lot of us tourists would have walked over a gazillion times right below, about 40 yards below the martyrium. And guess what the church was built around? The tomb of Philip. Let's go ahead and go see if we can get to there. There's another picture of the martyrium. And there Adam and I are in front of Philip's tomb. Now his bones were gathered and taken to Rome in the fifth, whatever they whenever they found that, his bones were taken there. But this is where they believe he was buried. And there's good evidence for that. They found a coin that was a bread, they call it like a bread stamp. And basically on that bread stamp, they had uh, this, this, this picture of the martyrium up there and then the tomb on the side there. And this was afterwards. And why would they talk about Philip and bread? Why would that be on a coin? Well, that 's interesting, and so we 're here sitting there, understanding the sacrifice that Philip may be made. Come and see now we get to the text when we think about Philip and the the, uh, the gospel of, of, of mark and, uh, and, and the synoptic gospels he 's just listed along with all of these other um, uh, disciples there 's nothing special. Uh, listed about uh, Philip during these times. and Then you get into John's gospel, which makes sense since we're talking about uh, Asia Minor and Turkey, and Philip gets mentioned a little bit more in John's gospel. And so when we think about this, let's just take a look at where we find Philip the apostle in the text and put this together. So uh, John 6, uh, 5 says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he say he said to Philip, "Hey, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat?" He only asked them this question to test him because he already knew what he was going to do. But isn't that interesting that in, fi- in the five hundred four five hundred A.D. we would find a bread coin with Philip on there? It's almost like they knew the story about Philip. And this little bread event in the text. And so Jesus had in mind uh, what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one of these people just to even have a bite. And Jesus does this amazing miracle, the five loaves, two fishes, and everybody gets to eat. And they have baskets left over. And Jesus creates food to feed 5,000 men. Let's not forget about the women and children he witnesses this. Probably pretty moving for him. John 14, 8. Philip answered him, or Philip said, "Uh, Lord, show us the Father. So this is Jesus right before he's getting ready to to go off to be crucified. He says, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Okay, well, like, okay, Philip. Jesus answered, don't you know me? Hey, Philip, don't you know me? Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time, this Philip walked with Jesus. He experienced Jesus. He was there. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. like he sees all of this, right? He still doesn't understand who Jesus is and he's seen the feeding of the 5,000. He's seen Jesus walk on water. He probably saw the miracle at the wedding, like all the things that were listed in there. He sees uh, Lazarus being, being risen from death. He sees all of these things and he's like, cool. Like, where's the father? I wonder that about myself. I wonder how deaf my ears have come have become to the story of jesus i wonder how cynical my eyes have been in not seeing god's creation all around me i wonder if i would have asked the same question come and see I want to. I did it kind of backwards here. I want to talk to you about the introduction of Philip to Jesus, which is interesting. Uh, it's in John chapter one, verse forty-three um, through forty-six. Says the next day, Jesus decided to leave for the Galilee. The Galilee would be a region uh, north of the Dead Sea, kind of around uh, the Sea of Galilee. Interesting enough, lots of good stories around there. And so he goes to the Galilee, and what's interesting about this. What's interesting about this apostle finding Philip? Jesus found Philip. Think about that as you research and look at how the other uh, apostles came to be. But Jesus finds Philip. And he said to him, follow me. Do you know that Jesus is looking for you? he's looking for you in every way possible. And when you found Jesus, you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior. And you start following Jesus. What are some of our responsibilities as followers of Jesus? What are we supposed to be doing? What are we supposed to be doing that we would be willing to be hung upside down on a cross for, have, have stuff punched through our Achilles and continue to preach God's message even through all of that pain and continue to preach that message even seeing your kids not treated well in front of your eyes? What happened that would allow a man to continue on with that kind of faith? So he said, follow me next. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from Bethsaida. So Bethsaida is really cool. It means house of, house of mercy, house of grace. It's really cool. Uh, who would come out of Bethsaida? Andrew and Peter. House of mercy, house of grace, just side note. So what, you know what Philip did? Is he found Nathanael he was introduced to Jesus and asked to follow Jesus like some of us in here. And then you know what he did? He went and found somebody else so they could experience Jesus too. And he said, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We've been waiting, we found him. Nazareth, Nathanael says, Can anything good come from that hillbilly country bumpkin town of Nazareth? (laughs) And Philip says, come and see. Come and see. What is it? What is it for you and me? What is it going to take to ask people to come and see? It's not a church growth plan, it's a kingdom of God, Jesus inviting us to be who He's called us to be. Plan. We want people to come and see and experience you and your love, and your grace, and your mercy that you've experienced from Jesus Christ. And that we point and we give all the credit. And I doubt anybody 500 years from now is gonna build anything towards us, but that's okay because we're here to point to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come and see. I want them to meet you. I want you to think about, and I bet you it's already happened for some of you. When you think about this idea of inviting somebody to, to church on an Easter, like, the person you're most scared to invite is probably the person you're supposed to. And it's as simple as a come and see. It's as simple as, like, sure, I'll do my best that I can on the message. Yeah, I'm already preparing for that. Our worship team's already preparing. It's going to be awesome because they're awesome anyway. But come and see. And what if it, the invitation was like this? You're standing there and there's a co and you're like, So, what are you guys doing for Easter? I don't know. You know, cook up some ham, which is weird. Uh, but anyway, um, that's a Jewish joke thing that we provide ham on Easter, which is not really kosher, but whatever. We're going to have some ham. We're going to chase some eggs and stuff and do some, do, or, you know, we don't know what we're doing, right? We don't really have plans. Hey, why don't you come with me to come with me to church and then come to my house? Let's do Easter at my house afterwards. Come and see. Well, I don't I'm not I'm not really a churchgoer. That's cool. That's exactly what our church is for, is for people who aren't churchgoers. You don't even have to dress up or nothing. You can just come and see what's going on. It's fun. It's fun. Just come and check it out and then let's have Easter afterwards together. Okay, maybe. Like that point could pivot that person's life and generations behind them forever by a simple come and see. And for some reason, they wanted to build a martyrium for people to come and see thousands of years later so we could hear the story about Philip. Come and see. Come and see what Jesus can do in your life. Come and see and feel the mercy and the grace and the love and the compassion that this Jesus can show you. Be free from all this bondage and change and stuff that people, like can you imagine if you could see the guilt and shame, the stuff that people are carrying around and it's just a load of people and they are a load of, load of guilt and shame. It's backpacks and backpacks and suitcases and suitcases and they're trying to walk through their life and they're, they're walking and they're just getting down and the next thing you know, they're crawling on the floor and like, it's so heavy they can't do anything and you're like, oh, bummer. You should come and see. Let me help you get rid of all of this weight and guilt and this stuff that Jesus would gladly take off your shoulders and introduce you to a better way of life. Come and see. It's not about our preacher guy. It's not about our building. It's not about our worship. Those are all fine. But I can't wait to introduce people to Jesus. And I can't wait to introduce them to followers of Jesus like you. That will change their life. Come and see. Let's take this time and go to communion. Something that we get the privilege of celebrating every week in our church. Um, if you're new, don't feel obligated to take this. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is a great opportunity. Now, when you come to the table, when you come to communion, you come uh, with a heart, right? It talks about if you, if you have odd against your brother, we should fix those things and, and work on those things. But when you come to the table, you're getting a reset. You're experiencing something that, was, that is being talked about all over the world and celebrated every day of the week. That Jesus Christ came to this earth in the form of man. And we're going to talk about that he, that he died. He, was, he died a, a death here on this earth, but he rose again. And we're going to talk about on Easter Sunday how he sees people. And not like the creepy Santa he, see, he knows when you are sleeping and he sees you when you're awake. Not a creepy stalker person, but a father who sees and loves and is compassionate and wants to chase his children and help them be on the best path they could be on. That he sees you. So the night Lord Jesus was betrayed, he, he took the bread and when he broke it, he said, this is my body. This is for you. Come and see. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took a cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant. There's a new deal in town. This is, this is a new piece of the puzzle here. He came and died on the cross and he rose again. And we have an opportunity from now till, till he comes back for you to interact with the living God. He's not in a temple. He's not in a place you can't get to him. He's fully accessible. You just got to come and see. So this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you do this, you drink it, it do it in remembrance of me. Let's remember him. Lord, I just thank you for this time. I hope that people got a little sliver of what it's like to experience Philip the Apostle and the sacrifice, not just of himself, but of his daughters and his family. So we would have no doubt there is no pushback that this Jesus was real or that it was manufactured or it's a crutch or any of those things. Not when people die like this. Not when they have their their children die like this. They are not going to die for a lie. They are dying for what they experienced that was so powerful that it would make even that, even that, it would make it worth it. So Lord, I ask you would just let us walk boldly that we would open up our eyes and we would see And then we'd be bold enough to ask others to come and see as well so they could experience you. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.